Welcome back once again. It's the Christmas and Guitar Podcast. It's your host, Jack Hartley. And it's time to get going again on another group, a group which a lot of Europe is excited for, a lot of storylines, a lot of drama, uh, a lot of coverage in the press, but I don't think that's that's unwarranted. I think it's a group that's going to uh, interest many people around the entire globe because of its its sheer quality, its competition, and the, the kinds of players that you're going to see involved in this group stage action. So, uh, Group D. Group D is what we're going to be talking about today. We have France, of course, the favorites in this group, uh, reigning champions of this tournament, 2018 World Cup champions, a team of great quality. Denmark, the up-and-comers, who were a little bit stunned at the Euros by the, the sudden loss of their captain, Christian Eriksen, but they're back. They're ready to really pull off some sort of upset at this tournament, uh, a popular upset pick for sure, as they've been ascending up the FIFA rankings over the last few years, back into the top 10 for the first time in a very, very long time. And then they'll be followed by, by Tunisia, uh, in my mind, a very underrated side, and Australia, who perpetually seem to make it to the World Cup. And that's all about, that's all you can really say about Australia. Uh, a team that people, for some reason, know about because they always just seem to be there. So, let's start with the favorites, as we always do. France. France are the favorites in this group. A great, great team. A great, great uh, squad of players who have the ability to entertain you and at the same time play with quality. And I think that's why they were so popular at the last World Cup because you have the, you know, the pace of Kylian Mbappe and the, the ability of Karim Benzema. But then you pair that with the more sensible sides, the Paul Pogbas of the world, the Raphael Varane, who's unfortunately going to be out for this World Cup. Uh, and they're, of course, all playing so hard, trying to make up for the poor play of Hugo Ruiz. Uh, Hugo Lloris is, of course, a real uh, liability for this French team. And he's become that after playing for so many years at such a terrible, terrible squad. So, yeah, yeah, Hugo Lloris. I guess that makes sense to start there. Uh, Tottenham's keeper. Tottenham, uh, how many times can I say it? Such a disappointing season. A team where you're we're just hoping for more. Many of their supporters were calling for them as title favorites in the Premier League. And you just see them uh, conceding goals game after game. Many of them, especially in this most recent game, to blame on their keeper, Hugo Lloris, who has just had a few shockers here. Cost his team points week in, week out. Uh, he's really someone that you win despite of. In spite of. Someone who your team maybe plays better up front because you know the ball just can't go back to that player because it's not going to end up well for you. Spurs seem to have learned this to an extent. They still concede plenty of goals. But it's something that the French side is going to have to adapt to. 
So, uh, moving on to the more positive sides of the French team, because there is, of course, many. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the favorites. Uh, in the defense, you've got real quality. Lucas Hernandez, uh, Jules Gunde, Theo Hernandez. Uh, probably going to make up the, a solid back three for the French. Really, really just solid players at, at Milan and, and Barca and, and Bayern. And then you've got still so much depth remaining on that team that the battle for spots is going to be an absolute war. You've got players like William Saliba at Arsenal. Arsenal having an amazing season, often due to the play of William Saliba at the back. You've got Benjamin Pavard, Luca Dean, uh, Kimpembe, of course, having a great season for PSG. Didier Deschamps is going to have real questions to answer from this defense core if it goes wrong, because there's just so many options as, at his expense that I think everyone would set it up differently. So it's something that is subject to change for sure. If the first game doesn't go as planned, it could change. It could absolutely change. And I think much of that also applies to their midfield and striking options. You've got the, the sort of indispensable ability of Kylian Mbappe. Very, very good player. What more can you say about Kylian Mbappe? Maybe uh, lost a bit of his reputation due to how he's handled some contractual disputes, some potential transfer moves. But really, how does he not have the right to do that? He's a legendary player, someone who every club in the world, I think, would want to take and put in their side just because of his sheer electricity, his ability, his talent. And, I mean, this is a guy who could run for France at the Olympics, and then go play for France at a World Cup. When have you ever seen this? This is ridiculous what he can do. It's why France was so good at the last World Cup. How do you handle a player like that? You don't. You can't. I don't care what team you are. Mbappe running down the wing, no defender in the world is going to be able to catch him. It's math. It's physics. It's that simple. Sometimes football is that simple. And then you pair him with other options, so Mbappe is in those one-on-one, one-on-oh battles. You've got options like uh, Nkunku, or Chomeni, or Kingsley Coman, or Ousmane Dembele, or Paul Pogba, or Antoine Griezmann, or Karim Benzema, or Olivier Giroud. There's just, there's so many options in this French side that if this team is picked right, they'll have a long way to go in this tournament. But even if it gets picked wrong, you have the ability to adjust because you can so easily take a player out and replace him with someone of equal quality. This is going to be a team that's going to be using all five substitutions every single match just because they don't lose anything with those substitutions. So I would argue that Didier Deschamps has the most work to do of any manager at this tournament just because he has the most decisions to make. Any manager of France would, when you look at this squad, just has the most decisions. And sure, would you love to have a, a great informed player besides Mbappe? Sure. Would you like to have a better goalkeeper than Hugo Roriz? Absolutely. But when you put the squad together, this squad is worth $1.3 billion. That's the number you need to remember. This French side is absolute quality. Everyone would take this French side. Everyone's going to take this French side in the group against even quality. Denmark's a very good team. Nobody's taking that. 
Are they a popular upset pick? Sure. Nobody's saying they're better than France. So any hangover that you've, you've seen in the past from, from Germany or Brazil or Italy or anyone after they've won their World Cup, they go to the next World Cup and struggle on the group stage, I don't see that for France. Maybe first game. But is this team capable of having more than one bad game? I don't know. Which is why I think that they for sure progress to the knockout stages. Uh, but again, if they're there, that's where they might falter because they depth matters less once you get to a elimination match. Because it disables half of your great players. And it's just the curse of France, I think, in this World Cup. And why they are, to me, more of a quarterfinal, semifinals kind of a team than a team who's really going to be able to challenge for this, this title. That is, of course, unless they utilize one of the best players that I possibly know. Jacques Calcachos en humo. Jacques Calcachos en humo is an excellent player. Someone who can provide a spark in this attack that is missing, especially after Hugo Roris picks up the ball and just boots it out of play. Jacques Calcachos en humo can take throw-ins and Throw them miles down the field. Much like Iceland at the Euros, you can see this is a really underrated strategy. It's like a free set piece that you get all the time. Just absolutely crazy what they get. It's unfair for a team to, like France to have a player like Jacques Carcachoz Oumou. And we'll see what they can do with him. Moving on. Uh, we have some very quality players in, uh, in Denmark. The Danes, of course, challenging for this title of underdog, uh, overlooked champion. And that starts from their, no pun intended, the beating heart of their team, Christian Eriksen. I mean, what can you say about this guy? Resiliency, resiliency, resiliency. Leaves two small clubs in, in Tottenham and Brentford, joins the best club in the world, and remains playing in an excellent fashion. Just today, scored a, uh, or rather assisted in a brilliant goal against Sheriff Tiraspol at Old Trafford. And he has the ability that you're looking for. He has the strength you're looking for. The, but most of all, the IQ you're looking for. That leadership ability, that football intelligence that really makes players stand out. And I think that you see that even from the back, where you've got Kasper Schmeichel, of course, of great footballing heritage. You move on through the, the defense. Andreas Christensen, of equally great footballing heritage. And then you've got Rasmus Christensen, Joachim Andersen. Less, uh, less notorious options. Less, uh, less heralded options, for sure. But... They are still what you're looking for in a, in a solid defender. Moving into the midfield, you've got, uh, again, Christian Eriksen, great option. And then you've got a real battle because of the, the lack of quality of Pierre-Emile Hoybier. Terrible player, Hoybier. Uh, really just at a club level, not what you're looking for. Losing matches for his team, losing the ball. Uh, a player that you don't want to see succeed because... Well, why would you hope for something that's never going to happen? Um, 
he's someone who's in my mind likely to lose his job before this World Cup happens. Someone who any smart manager would see does not deserve any place in this team. You've got much better players like Philip Bieling out of Bournemouth or Casper Dolbear out of Sevilla. Jesper Lindstrom out of the amazing side that we see in, in Eintracht Frankfurt. And when you look at this Danish team, you can see why they're seen as this team that's going to surprise everyone. That's going to have the ability to really wreck some team's game plans because they're just that good. They're that skilled. They're that talented. They're that perpetual is really the best word to describe the Danes. They will keep coming at you. They will not give up. And I think that's going to lead them to advance quite far in this group. Easily the second place team. In my mind, pretty easily quarterfinal team. We'll see what matchup they get. Could they make it to the World Cup final a la Croatia? Last World Cup? Absolutely they could. And I think a big reason that is, is because of one of their best new players, uh, Jan and Radar Pistol. And Radar Pistol is a very, very solid player. But moving on from Denmark, when we look at the rest of this group, Hey there, I just want to take a new, uh, a quick minute to recognize our first ever sponsor, Fubo TV. Fubo TV is Canada's home for the Premier League and much, much more this football season. If you're looking to see Jonathan David score his goals, if you're looking to see uh, Alfonso Davies score some goals in his future Premier League move to Manchester United, Fubo TV is the place to be. Use our promo code at Christmas in Qatar and get your first month free. That's first month free on Fubo TV Christmas in Qatar CIQ Christmas in Qatar and enjoy your first month free. Thank you. So let's keep on uh, let's keep on moving on with this group D action. Very very interesting group for sure. Some something that uh, many people will be interested in watching along with with eager eyes. And I think a, a good place to move on is likely the third place team in this group, a very underrated team, in, in my humble opinion, is uh, Tunisia. Tunisia, what, a, what an interesting team this is. Uh, had a really good showing in qualifying, uh, a, a massive home advantage. Their supporters were beyond brilliant. And the team really played well in front of them. And I think if they can keep that form going, they could be a team much like uh, Ecuador in Group A that could be one to reckon with at this World Cup. Uh, Tunisia, very solid at the back. Uh, I feel like I, I keep using that word for the these sort of underdog-style teams, but it's because you have to be. If you're not solid at the back, you're just going to concede massive amounts of goals to the teams that are favored to beat you. Uh, in, in net, you're probably going to see uh, Bashir Ben Said, uh, I would imagine. Ben Said is a very solid keeper, someone who doesn't let in the bad goals and uh, saves a lot of the good goals. A, a player who you'd really like to see behind you as a defender, and their defenders are of great quality themselves. Uh, your, your starting back four is likely going to be the shape that Tunisia plays with, uh, with Dylan Brown and, and Jan Valeri, Montessar Talbi, Yasina Miria. Great players. 
players that know how to play together on a on a league level, know each other's strengths and weaknesses and how to compensate for that. And I think that's that's a great way to play as a team is to know where you're going to be vulnerable. So others that are working with you, that's that's the very nature of a team, those with you can help you out where you're potentially going to struggle. So uh, midfielders, strikers for Tunisia, where this attack is going to be built, where this attack is going to come from. You got solid players here. You got, you know, uh, Elias Shri or uh, Naeem Sliti, Anibel Mavri. And Anibel Mavri, a uh, very interesting player. Someone, of course, uh, played for some very big clubs across England, uh, France, Spain. And maybe uh, someone whose potential uh, exceeded what he ended up becoming. And that's fine. Not every player is going to hit their potential. All that needs to happen is for a player to have the confidence to keep on building and keep on becoming a superior player to what they are today. And I think that's what maybe he's becoming in his more comfortable situation now that he's moved away from the, these massive clubs. And the very best that Tunisia has to offer, of course, is the wonderful player. Wonderful. Musa Maharaba. Maharaba is a player who can just go off for this team. A player who can propel them into the later stages of this tournament. Because Maharaba is someone who has that, that instinct to find the, the back of the net. What you're seeing with, with a player like Erling Haaland, who is, of course, very disappointing to not be at this World Cup, is that, that ability to see ball and then put ball in that. And it really is that simple for these just absolute amazing finishers, goal scorers. And that's the kind of quality that Tunisia has that I think is going to provide that distinction in this tough group. And I think it'll be especially important and notable against the team who I think is pretty clearly the weakest of this, of this group, which is going to be the Australians. Australia has really uh, underperformed, to be honest, throughout... Uh, World Cup qualifying, friendlies, their federation knows it, the players know it. What else can you say? You've got good players at the back, Matthew Ryan, who's going to be the keeper. Um, but someone who, a lot like a lot of their team, is just someone who's going to be falling behind constantly because his game hasn't caught up to the times. He's a much like a, a keeper that you'd want to see on your team. And maybe a, a 1998 World Cup rather than a 2022 World Cup. And that's just the, the way that Australia plays is, I would say, somewhat outdated. And I think it's why a lot of their players are being passed over in these, these premium positions in premium leagues. You know, you've got more players now than ever in, in MLS, in, in Denmark, in Norway. And I think when that starts happening to your team, you can really see what's happening and say, this is a major problem. And I think that's what Australia needs to do as a federation, as a country, is say, this isn't good enough. Our development needs to be better. We need our internal leagues to be better because we're not going to be fielding anyone at this World Cup really from, from you know, the A-League. It, if you don't develop your own players, you're just not going to have that prolonged success that you're looking for. So, uh, in defense... You've got Stokes, Harry Suthar, uh, the best player for, for Australia, for sure. Uh, along with DC United's Brad Smith and Columbus Crew's Milos Degenek. 
Um, and if they decide to go to a back four, which I don't think they will, I think they'll play a very compressed sort of back five becoming back three in the rare instances in which they will have that attacking sustained possession. Um, and I think that's just the nature of the team because they're a team that's just going to be someone who struggles to advance the ball up the pitch. It's someone who struggles to get the ball out of their own third. And maybe you're going to look to some of those younger talents to advance the ball. Like a, a Kai Rolls, for example, or a, a Ryan Grant. Very uh, different players to what Australia offers otherwise. And then as you move into this this midfield, this attack, you just are uninspired. Because you see those players that forever have been part of Australia. Of course, this is Australia's first ever World Cup without uh, the services of Tim Cahill, legendary Australian player. And you've got players like Celtics' Aaron Moody, uh, Martin Boyle, Riley McGree. But are these players going to have the ability to stick it to very competent back lines in the rest of this group in Denmark, in France, in Tunisia? I don't think they're going to break through. I would say if there's a team that's going to be fully kept off the score sheet in this World Cup, it's likely going to be Australia. They're going to have the most uh, hard time against their fellow back lines. They're not going to be able to break through because they just don't have the, the talent. And they're really out of form as a team. It, it's, it's very worrisome if you're a, a fan of the soccer roos. So uh, let's talk about the one good thing for Australia, should we? And that's, of course, uh, uh, Jack promotional material for a defunct cause. Uh, promotional material for a defunct cause is a, a very good player, someone who knows his role, knows how to achieve what he wants, and I think will get everything that he's looking for at this World Cup. Because promotional, for, mater, promotional material for a defunct cause, sorry, that name's a real mouthful, um, is someone who is going to have that ability to maybe get Australia the moral victories at this World Cup, because anything more than that, I would say, is unrealistic. So finally, this group, let's go over my predictions again. I do think France still advances out of the group, despite some concerns. I think Denmark is going to finish in second solidly, as many people will predict. Um, I'm maybe a little bit lower on Denmark than many, but I think as you see the tournament nearing, some of those bolder predictions might uh, be reined in just a little bit. Denmark maybe not possessing the same quality as the very top teams of this tournament. Uh, in third place, Tunisia, who is a, a side that I think is underrated, uh, along with Senegal, maybe a, a favorite from Africa to make it out of the group stage and make that sort of prolonged run through defensive prowess and, and solid, quick build-up counter-attacking, if they get out of the group, of course. And then you got Australia, who could be somewhat of a whipping boy, to be honest. This is, this is not good for Australia, and... Uh, if you're going to be focused on those watch parties in Sydney, those faces are going to go from happy to very sad very, very quickly because I don't think the expectations could be too low for Australia. This is not a good team, and it's a team that's probably going to be beaten pretty bad. So thank you for listening. Once again, a, a reminder for you, five-star reviews are 
the lifeblood of this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening on. Thank you for listening to us, and we hope you come back for our next episode where we break down Group E. Thank you.